0: Crosspoint Community Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who
1: we are, go to cpmodesto.org.
0: Welcome to Crosspoint again. Uh, We're so glad that you're here with us. Whether this is your first time or whether this is uh, your church family and you're here all the time, we're excited to see you. And this is actually a great week for you to jump in um, if you are new, because basically we're going to be fast-tracking the entire book of James that we've spent months working on into one message this morning. And I know that sounds really daunting, um, but let me give you a little bit of context. If you were here at the beginning of this series, I forget how long ago it was, a while now, um, we actually skipped chapter one of the book of James and just jumped right in in chapter two. And the reason for that was the way that this letter is laid out is that chapter one actually is, it's kinda like a detailed table of contents for what the rest of the book is gonna get into. Um, In chapter one, James basically introduces like all the major themes and major movements that then we got time to really sit in and look at in detail throughout the rest of the book. And so as we were putting this together, we thought this could be really helpful to actually end the series with chapter one because, I'm sure this is true of you, it's definitely true of me, uh, it is really easy at times to hear something impacting, to uh, maybe be inspired to take some action on something we've heard from God's word, Um, and then we go out and life continues and maybe we stick to it for a little while, but things start to slide. We've all experienced that. One of the reasons that that happens sometimes is because we're not continually refreshing our minds from what God has shown us, right? And so this today can just be an opportunity, number one, for us to remember and get, kind of get re- refreshed uh, of the things that we've talked about that have been so important, these, these uh, really key action steps and mindsets on how to live in the kingdom of God. But James isn't just about an intellectual pursuit. Like, throughout this book, we've, we've really seen there's a high emphasis on obedience and action in the book of James as well. And so, our kind of our goal for this morning is to remember, but also to uh, share a little bit of how God has convicted our hearts, Matt and myself, uh, on things that we need to act on based off of what God has shown us, and then throw out uh, some general kind of action steps for all of us, to maybe uh, put, in, put into place in our lives as we continue to pursue Jesus. So some of the things that we've personally been impacted by might really track with you. You might be like, yeah, me too. Uh, maybe you'll hear things, you're like, ah, oh, that wasn't really what God spoke to me, but we hope that throughout this conversation, um, kinda an informal conversation, that, that he continues to point us to the things he wants us to act on based upon the truths that he's shown us. And so, uh, there's kind of, we've broken it down kind of into five different chunks in the first chapter of James, and we'll read each of them, and then we'll kind of share the summary statement that the bite-sized sentence that we can internalize as we leave, as well as the action step. And so, we'll go ahead and we'll just jump right into it. Um, You're welcome to follow along if you have a physical Bible uh, or a digital Bible, whatever, um, you're welcome to follow, and we're going to start reading in verse two of chapter one. And this is this is what James says in in verse two. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If we could kind of summarize those few verses, here's what we came up with. That life's trials produce endurance, and endurance makes us whole. That the, the, the life that we live, the, the trials that we go through in our life, they produce endurance and that is a necessary component to us becoming whole. And actually, Matt, you had an awesome way, uh, a really helpful way, I think, of kind of describing um, like how that works in our lives that I actually think is great to have as a, as a foundation before,
1: before we even get into like the action pieces yeah. of this. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I don't know if all of you, I, I like movies and um, one, of, one of the great uh, um, tools in movies is called the montage. Um, everyone familiar with the montage? It's when things are like, they wanna tell the story, but it's too much to tell, so they break it down into like a minute and a song, and you see all of these things. So for example, like one of my wife and I, are, one of our favorite movies is Runaway Bride, and so in that movie, they have this montage of all these things that they did together leading up to their wedding, and it's all in the scope of like one song. Um, uh, another, I mean, probably one of the most famous montages, Rocky IV, um, in Siberia, working out, doing the you know uh, sit-ups upside down from the the loft in the barn, and all that. You know, like that's the montage. But then I was I was actually um, chastised by someone in our church um, after the first hour, saying I missed the best montage of all time, and they said it's from Up with Carl and Ellie's love story. Oh, that's so depressing. Wow. Why would you bring that up right now? Like, My goodness. I was hoping for, like, Oof. I would be justified, but I now feel worse. <laughs> like, everyone so in here was like, oh, you're a terrible person for missing that. Anyway. Back um, to the 80s, Rocky IV. Let's, yeah, let's go. Okay, come on. Back I'm going to gonna work through this, and I'm going to... Throw the log around. I'm going to do more there, sit-ups. Okay. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> but it's this montage. And, and so here's the thing. I... I don't like how James starts this letter. He says, trials are for your benefit and you need them to make you into who God wants you to be. Um, and so here's, here's, what, here's what God has been saying to me as we've been walking through James. Is this God, God has said, I'm going to do something great in you, but it's gonna be through trials, which will lead to endurance and will result in maturity. And, 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 and I, I know that's true, but it's hard for me to really recognize that as I'm in the process of all of this garbage. But, but here's, here's what, through movie magic, what God has given me. Um, is that I'm trying to now think of my life and the things that are difficult as a montage that I can review and look at quickly and say, this is what it's doing in me, though. If you could take the trials and the difficulties in your life and just maybe even put them to a song you like <laughs> without ruining it. <laughs> I don't know. This, I'm going way in a bad direction. But, but if, if you could look at that and say, okay, this is what God's doing. Because it's so hard to see what God's doing and how he's building endurance and how he's making, making me mature But God is, and here's what I want to say to you this morning, is that God is doing something great in you. And he's going to do it through building your endurance and making you mature. And there's a montage of struggles and difficulties and trials in your life. But I want you to know that they are only that tiny little moment that lead to incredible joy and wholeness in Christ Jesus.
0: And like, I think that's such a helpful kind of word picture for us to be able to work off of because when we look at the trials that, that happen in our life and not even things that that happen because we make bad decisions, like Jesus makes it clear when we choose to follow him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, like difficulties will come. Um, if we see it the wrong way, if we view it the wrong way, then we're not gonna understand how that makes us whole. And that's kind of that's kind of what God has been convicting me of with, with this idea Um is like I understand that the montage is necessary but I don't I don't I don't know like where the picture ends and so like I have always like I haven't been like adverse to difficulty like I, I always kind of understand that hey hard things are a part of life and I I felt like that was true from a young age and I see that represented in scripture but I think the 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 place that I've been off I think I've given myself a pass on this because I'm like yeah hard things happen you got to deal with it um, where I've been off is I always thought that the lesson was just sometimes life is hard so put your head down get through it and get to the other side um, it's kind of lazy on my part uh, it in it, it circumvents what God wants to do in the middle of the trial, not just the lesson that, hey, sometimes things are hard, hold on to me, but hey, actually, there's some stuff I wanna do in you right now. So I'm kind of embracing, I've heard this term come up lately from a few different places in my life, like a theology of suffering, and just a right understanding of like what suffering, what difficulty really is for, and I'm trying to embrace it as a direct contributor to my growth in Jesus, and not just a necessary piece of it. I've kind of always felt like it exists over here, it runs parallel to my life, I know I have to deal with it, but it doesn't really serve any kind of purpose. What James is saying, and what I've been convicted with, is it actually has direct contribution to the person that I'm becoming in Jesus. And so, an example in Megan and I's life, um, like we are involved in foster care, have been for a while, and it feels like it's a drum we're always beating, but it's just a big, big part of our life, and my, mindset toward, in particular, uh, like the the biological parents of some of the kids that have come through our home has been all over the place. But way back at the beginning, it was kind of like indifference, maybe even like a hard heart toward those people. And we went through a lot of ups and downs and difficulty, whether the child ended up reunifying, which is awesome, or a child stayed with us, which is awesome. Um, I just always saw those difficulties as things to just hold on tight and we'll get to the other side of it. But as I've started to let God use the difficult situations to point out blind spots in me, to show me places where I'm off, um, I've actually seen, it's like a direct connection. I've seen my compassion for not just this little person who's in my home, but this little family that's going through their own really difficult thing. My compassion has grown so much. And I'm not not known for compassion, <laughs> like that's not something that gets thrown around at me. He's a real touchy feely kind of guy. Uh, I—that's not something. Kyle's that's crying a bit, again. What?
1: Kyle's crying. again. You know, I
0: cry all the time. No, that's definitely not something, and I, and I use it as like a defense mechanism all the time. I'm aware of that, but uh, I have noticed my compassion just growing all the time when I'm looking for what God's doing in the middle of the difficulty, not just holding on to get to the other side.
1: Yeah, um, and I think the action that, that we, we talked about that might be helpful for you is this, uh, and for us, is this, instead of looking at my circumstances, identify the characteristics of Jesus. This is developing in me. Um, or the things that this could develop, but they're not developing in me because I'm, I'm responding in a way that I'm not recognizing God's hand in this. And so it's just, it's that thing of, of changing my perspective. Um, and actually looking not again at what this is doing to me, but saying, what, what is, how am I becoming like Jesus in there? What are the opportunities that this particular thing presents for me to become more like Jesus? Um, the, second, the second section of, of chapter one, the kind of uh, summary is in, uh, starts in verse five and goes through verse eight. And here's what James says. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with, with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He He's double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And, and so as, as we thought through this, it seems the summary for that, maybe that summary statement is this, that God gives wisdom to those who ask in faith. That God gives wisdom to those who ask in faith, and and for me as I as I've kind of walked through this challenge again, we Kyle preached on the idea of, of God's wisdom versus versus that worldly wisdom, and 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 James kind of introduces it here, and and I think for me what what God has challenged me with this is, is that um, I've I have to confess that I don't actually always want God's wisdom, like okay? I I don't always want it. Um, God is able to make me stable with his wisdom executed in my life. But, but there's this struggle and tension for me between stability and comfortability, if that's a word. I think it was. I think I just pronounced it weirdly. But, um, and here's, here's my thing. I want, I want God to get me out of the woods. I don't want God to bring me stability in the woods. Does that make sense? Like, I want God to remove my circumstances and bring me to a place that I like and I prefer as opposed to leaving me in my circumstances yet bringing me stability and peace and joy and contentment. Uh, and, and, and I think that's why I don't necessarily, I realize I don't necessarily want God's wisdom because what God's wisdom does, it transports me not out of my circumstance but it transports me out of myself and gives me that stability and joy and peace that God promises, yet he doesn't promise to change my circumstances. And that's part of understanding and executing God's wisdom. Absolutely.
0: And I think when I, when I read this, when I think about wisdom, I, it can be easy for us sometimes to think like it's such an elusive thing um, and even with this language uh, that, that we use, that God gives wisdom to those who ask in faith, like, there's a part of us that maybe jumps to, well, then if I, like, tap into, like, this mystical force of faith, then I'll, then I'll understand, like, what God thinks. But, man, his word is so clear that, like, wisdom is not hidden. Like, Proverbs is, like, full of these uh, personifications of wisdom as, like, this person who's, like, at every gate, on every wall, everywhere, screaming its head off, saying, I'm right here, you know? And same, like, through the book of James, like, he is really straightforward about what godly wisdom is, what worldly wisdom is, how we are to live. And so I actually I think it's easy for us to blame that on the world saying like things are so bad in the world around us that it's hard for us to figure out what's what's really godly wisdom, but I don't I don't know if that's actually true because scripture is so full of it. And so it's It's asking in faith, but not like some mystical thing where if we conjure up enough, we can get this wisdom. But faith is just trusting that what God says is wisdom is actually what we need, which I think that can be difficult because I totally agree with you. Sometimes I don't think I want God's wisdom because it means things have to change because it's difficult. And my mind jumps to I, probably a lot of us in here can remember this time, like before the internet, before you could like fact check everything. Um, you'd be having a conversation or a debate, maybe it's not so different now actually, but, <laughs> but you have this debate, and basically you could just end the conversation with being like, well, it doesn't sound right, that doesn't sound right to me, you know? Uh, that, does, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't I don't think that's true. And there's no way to be like, no, actually you're wrong, this, this is true, right? I, I think oftentimes I approach wisdom like that. Like God says that like a heart of repentance is wise, but I'm like, ah, that doesn't sound right to me because, I, you know, I'm right about most things. Or God says, uh, like, a heart of confession is wise, and it's like, ah, but that doesn't sound right because people, people will hit a threshold with me. They won't love me anymore if I'm actually really honest about who I am. Um, obedience is wisdom, but... It's like, oh, that doesn't sound right to me because it's just it's gonna cost me too much. Compassion or forgiveness. Maybe they don't deserve it. Basically, we're we're placing like our gut instinct over what God has made really clear as wisdom. And that's that's the action point that we thought would be helpful as we walk out of here. That we can be asking ourselves a question: where in my life do I think that my gut is better than God's wisdom? And I think as I think through my life, there's oftentimes a lot of places where. I think I provide lip service to what I know God says is wisdom, but when it comes down to what I do, my gut, what I think is best, trumps what God says is actually good for me. And, uh,
1: and it needs to be something that changes it. Yeah, and how many times have like you or I said, or we've heard someone say things like, okay, I know the Bible says that, but I feel. That's where we're going with our gut, over scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and again, we've, we've got to stop going with our gut, but yeah. Absolutely. And the nice thing is, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's yes. all throughout this. Yep. We can go look. We just
0: have to be willing to do the hard thing to take the step in obedience and follow. Uh, the next section that James, James gets into is verses 9 through 11. And I'll just read that for us. It says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. So James talks a lot about the rich and the poor and favoritism and the divide between people in what we have. Um, But we thought like the summary that best encompasses all of that is this human relevance only lasts in a kingdom setting. Like the things that we have that make us relevant in the world around us, finances, material things, influence, popularity, whatever, um, it only lasts if it's in service to the kingdom. If it's in service to us, Mm -hmm. or our institution that we've made of ourselves, James says it will pass away. But if it's submitted to the kingdom, It'll actually be part of something that will last forever. And so, um, when, I, when I think about this and what God has convicted my heart to, um, this is, this is where my mind jumps. Like, Megan and I, we are in the thick of parenting. We have little kids. It's like takes up every free minute of our time, right? Maybe one day it won't, but as of now, it definitely does. And I really want to do a good job of that. It feels like an important thing that you'd want to do a good job at, right? Like these are people that you want them to be able to handle life well and handle situations well. And I want them to to know Jesus and care about him. Um, But I think oftentimes what happens is I feel like I have some things of relevance, some maybe like tools in my tool belt that... I can use and use at any time, whenever I want, to get my kids to where I think that they should be. Um, And oftentimes, what I start to feel convicted about is where the, the things that I am using to get my kids to maybe an objectively, like, pretty good place, people who care about others, people who can handle situations, all of that, they're actually things that I've borrowed from the world that actually don't push them to be good kingdom citizens. It pushes them to be good kids and respectful kids and helpful kids, but it doesn't always push them to be like kingdom kids. That sounds so lame, <laughs> but uh, to push them to be good citizens of God's kingdom. And what I keep getting reminded of is even if it's like a good or right thing, I need to make sure that it's actually at the heart of the kingdom. And it... it um that kind of leads to like this action point and then Matt's gonna talk about kind of his thing too. Um, but it, this this provides like all the context to like what I just said. The action that we constantly can be asking ourselves is do all my decisions begin at the Holy Spirit? And so when I think about my kids, it's one of those places, am I going to the Holy Spirit to ask him how in the world should I parent these, these kids? I know some good things that seem relevant but am, am I actually going to the Holy Spirit and asking him, how should this happen? And then maybe that's not your deal, but we all have situations in our life, I think, where we have seemingly right things or maybe objectively right things uh, to contribute, but are we making sure that we first check in with
1: the Holy Spirit before we just go running? And by the way, I think Kingdom Kids was uh, maybe a salty project from the 80s. Sounds like it. That was like, I don't know, maybe, uh, I don't know. The trauma repressed in my brain um, <laughs> from that time in my life it came out i mean who's afraid of a singing songbook no, really but anyway that didn't do damage um, to anybody <laughs> um, you know I, the thing for the thing about what what james says here is is he places everyone on the same everyone is in the same place and and so our culture is working so hard to fix things that are wrong in wrong ways and, and, and so I think the thing that God has really been, been beating on my heart is this, that all the equality, uh, all the privilege, all the opportunity or lack of equality or lack of privilege or lack of opportunity only matters if they are in submission to the Holy Spirit and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Um equality is a good notion, but outside of being driven and being submitted to the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter. Um, um, opportunity is great in and of itself, but it is an empty well if it is not anointed by the Holy Spirit. Um, the definition of anointed is this. It's, it kind of sounds gross, but it, it makes a lot of sense to me. It's to smear or rub all over. And this is, this is what kind of hit me. Um, like, you think about, like, going to the beach. And um, I just think it's funny because, like, people that look like me go, go outside during the summer to get darker. Um, and, and sometimes there's this thing of, well, we just risk that um, I might get skin cancer, but it's worth it because I want to look bronze. Um, I don't know why, but we, we just have this really weird, uh, this faulty thinking that way. But, um, you know, you always see that guy who didn't have any help with the sunscreen and he's got like white streaks everywhere. And you're like, yeah, that guy has a problem. And, 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 but, but you see, it's just smeared all over him and you still see it really wasn't rubbed in. And, and, and here's the thing is, do we, are we covered are we noticeably, visibly smeared all over with the Holy Spirit? Is that what people see when they see us? Because as I look to to toward equality or opportunity or caring for the vulnerable or or looking at those who've been who've been uh, uh, attacked wrongly or wrongly represented or 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 tagged as villains or bad or or um, aggressors, and they're really not. When I look to those things, am I doing it in a way that I am absolutely encompassed by the Holy Spirit? And am I submitted in the Holy Spirit in that? Because I can, I can do all kinds of things that are ethical and moral, and they will not last, and they will not matter if they're not done in the power, in the presence, and in the, in the posture of the Holy Spirit. Um, so, so I think you know again, do my decisions start at the Holy Spirit? Uh, move, moving into James, James chapter or James uh, 1 verse 12, 12 through 18 is that next section, and here's what James says. He says, "Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Don't be deceived, my brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation. Or shadow due to change. Of his own, he will, of his own will, he bought, brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creations. Uh, here's the statement that we tried to summarize what James says here up, is this. Transformation becomes possible when we begin to see ourselves accurately. Transformation becomes possible when we begin to see ourselves accurately. We are really good at not seeing ourselves accurately. We oftentimes see ourselves better than we are, and even when we are down on ourselves and full of shame, there is this thing to try and see ourselves better than what we are, rather than just simply see us as the valued, loved creations of God. And and so the thing that hit me was was just this that that he says that these trials are tests that God gives us. Um, how many people have have like paid for like a personality or like a wiring test type thing you know like whether online or with some and then you get all these results and it tells you about yourself and how you interact with people on how many people have paid for something like that like really no one it was <laughs> Someone paid for it, Dirk <laughs> probably Jackie) <laughs> <laughs> but 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 yeah, um okay. But but there's all these tests. Wh- whatever it is, spiritual gift tests, you know, uh, you know, the 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 like like how you work, the, the all of the Enneagram, all of that kind of stuff. Um there's all these tests and we see those and when we take them and we find them for free, that's great because they can be helpful and we learn about ourselves and we learn about other people and sometimes people are so stuck on these that they're like, hey, can you just introduce me by your, your test number or your test color or your test letters that you string together that tell me exactly how I'm gonna treat you and what I'm, the box I'm gonna put you in? And so, but we do that, but here's the thing. God has designed all of these tests not to hurt us, but to help us to learn about ourselves, to learn about each other, and to become more like Him. And so here's what I believe God kind of said to me, and you can kind of do what you want with this, is I feel like the Spirit was kind of like, are you wasting God's investment in His money in the tests He's giving you? And what He's telling you about yourself and what He's telling you about other people. Are you wasting God's money in giving you these tests? Because oftentimes I see the test as an interruption, and as a problem in my life, rather than something that God has designed for me and paid for so that I can learn these things in my life and become more like him and see these as good gifts for, for, my, for my benefit and the benefit of the people around me.
0: Yeah. So as I was thinking about this, um, it was a quick, quick answer for me on one particular thing. Um, so just some context, and I'm just being like pretty, pretty candid and pretty honest. Um, I really, really personally struggle a lot with the like nationalistic Christian nationalism, like conversation. I struggle a lot with it. Um, it seems to be a conversation that gets had a lot now, seemingly. Um, and I've had, I've had the privilege and opportunity. I'm really grateful for it to be able to have been other places in the world, visited other places in the world, and seen other cultures and their opinions on their own country and the world around them and that kind of thing. Um, I've had the opportunity to live in a different country. It was just Canada, but it still is like pretty different. Canada's a country? I thought it was an afterthought. I know, you're proving my point right now. Um, (laughs) So so it is hard to put your finger on it. Sorry, Megan. She, all she's gonna do is apologize to you because she's from Canada, so. <laughs> it's just, Megan uh, just said, sorry for being Canadian. Sorry. <laughs>
1: um,
0: it is hard to put your finger on that, but I will say there are some significant differences on how they see themselves and the world around them and their, and their country and stuff like that. And so it is a, a really difficult for me when the whole like chest thumping, like red, white, and blue, God bless America, this is his favorite place in the world. Even though I know no one here would say that. Um, I really, really struggle when the conversation gets there. Like somehow this is like the hope, this patch of dirt we live on is somehow the hope. I really struggle with that. But here's the problem. Um, Whether or not I believe that's true, whether or not that ends up being true, this is the problem. I find myself completely unable to hear anything else that Jesus wants to use another person to communicate into my life as soon as that conversation happens. How arrogant of me, right? To be like, there's nothing else the Holy Spirit can use you to do to speak to me because we have such a differing opinion on this thing. Um, and I, I know that a good and perfect gift from our Father is our community of our family, right? Our Christian family. And so uh, he, he's been convicting me a lot about this that I need to, whether we have really similar opinions, really drastically different opinions, I need to understand that the Holy Spirit can use absolutely anyone to speak truth into my life and vice versa and we are family in that and um, I think that I need to see myself clearly enough to understand that I might dismiss things that I absolutely shouldn't because we have a different opinion and so that kind of leads into like the action point or it has been an action point for me as I've walked through that issue maybe that's not your issue but guaranteed you have one that you feel like that about, right? We all at least have one that we feel like that about where it's just a conversation stopper and I can't hear anything else from you. Um, So this is maybe an action to put into practice in our life so that we can see ourselves clearly and pursue transformation, is identify Jesus in others first and then see how present he is in me. Rather than assuming what I know, what I think is correct and unmovable and you have nothing to, to say into that, Identify, man, this is how I see Jesus at work in you. This is how I see Jesus uh, lit up in
1: your life. And then turn the attention toward myself as well. I feel like this is such a huge thing is that oftentimes there are good things that are in our lives that blind us to what Jesus sees in the people around us. Um, There can be good things in your life that blind you to what Jesus wants you to see. And so, again, this is super hard for me as well because I am really quick to categorize people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when I, I have to be really intentional about identifying Jesus in another person, no matter who they are, if nothing else, identifying God's image in them and then seeing how present that is in me. How much do people see that in me then? Yeah. Um, and I think that's huge. And I think that's just a, it's such a big thing. Absolutely. So the
0: last uh, section of scripture that he talks through is uh, going to be verses 19 to 27. Let me just read that for you. It's a little bit more. Uh, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But, but be doers of the word, not but but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world." Um, Really simply boiled down, um, and this is a massive theme in like most of James, is that God favors those who progress in listening
1: and obedience. And immediately that's like, maybe some of us like, what? (laughs) Yeah, I, and, and I want you to hear that in the right context, that God favors those who progress in listening and obedience. We're not saying God loves anyone more than anyone else. Um, favor and love are two different things. God loves every single human being to a degree that we can't even comprehend. Um, but favor is different. You can, have, you, you can be a parent and have children And you can love your children uncompromisingly. But it is true, it is kind of a fact, that when your children listen and obey you, you have favor toward them. When they don't listen and they disobey, you do not have favor toward them. And that's that's not wrong, that's just real. (laughs) And so even in, in, in scripture, we see over and over that, God loves all humanity, but God will. Ha- God has favor. His favor is shown on those who listen and obey. And so, I I want you to understand we're not we're not saying God doesn't love people, but we're saying what Scripture absolutely says is that there is a difference in His favor and how His favor is ex- is received and
0: experienced. And remember, like His favor, like we've been talking about, doesn't exactly look maybe the way we think, like, oh, we get everything, and life's so easy. No, his favor is trials. His favor is wisdom that sometimes doesn't feel like wisdom to us, but it's all pushing us to become more like him, who he's created us yeah. to be. And, uh, you know, we we have been talking a while about this, that it just really feels like God is pushing his church, especially in this part of the world, toward a greater understanding and surrender of obedience to what God is saying, to hear what he says, and then just, and then do it, which is so challenging for us, but absolutely what he calls us to. Not a partial obedience, not a cultural obedience, but a full, fully surrendered obedience. And so how can we keep our mind on that? The action step that we uh, wanted to share was this. Make a practice of thanking God and praying specifically for those people, and I would even also say situations, who threaten my security, or those who make me feel insecure, um, because most likely those are the very people and the very situations God has placed in our lives to push us toward greater obedience. Yeah,
1: I, I think I think really it's really cool in this part of the passage. in James James just kind of simplifies um, simplifies something really important. He says he says basically listen for God's direction in all things. He says do what you've read in God's word. Be vigilant of your words. And I would just in modernize that a little bit and say, words that come from your mouth and words that come from your fingers. Because today, a vast amount of our words that we use are typed onto some platform and then posted. So be vigilant of your words that come from your mouth and your hands. Um, and then he says, care for the vulnerable. And what's interesting about those things, listening to God, doing what God says, being vigilant of your words, and caring for the vulnerable, these are all things that are 100% in your control. You can do that. It doesn't require anyone to cooperate with you to do those things. Yet what I've been convicted of is I spend so much time trying to control things that I can't control rather than recognizing what I can control and doing those things. And and that's what God calls me to. And that's what, if I'm listening, that's what he's calling me to. And he's calling me to be obedient in that. Um, And and so, and and he says at the end of that, and to be unstained by the world. How are we unstained by the world? By listening, doing, being, and caring. That's how we're unstained by the world. When we control the things that we can't control, we do those things. That's how we remain unstained. And, and so and so that idea of, of making that practice of thanking God specifically for those people who threaten my security or, or, or people who make me feel insecure um, and and being intentionally thankful for to God for those people, for what we can learn from those people, for what God has to teach us from those people and how much God loves those people. Um, that's huge. Um, as we kind of wrap up, um, right now, I know there's lots of stuff we talked about and it was, it was, it really was a summary of all of James. And so I get it, but I would encourage you to do the very same thing this week, even looking at these different sections in chapter one and saying, okay, what have I learned? What has God said to me? Maybe he didn't say the same thing he said to me or to Kyle, but, but, but he's, I guarantee you, he said, if you're listening, he said something to you, um, You know, next week is Commitment Sunday, and I I think it it, it makes sense as we we go from here, even thinking about listening and obeying, you know, Commitment Sunday is that Sunday in the year and that time of year that we, we really do intentionally reflect on what God has done, what he's doing, and what we believe God wants to do through us. And it's not just about a money thing. It is actually about a whole life thing of taking a time corporately as a body and really saying, okay, God, what do you wanna do and how do you wanna do it? And what is my role in this? God, I know you've called me to give, to be generous, to give back to you. What does that look like and what can I do to participate with you in that? You know, I, I think one of the things for me that I am I am arriving at is that, um, and I think I'm almost bipolar, but um, I am so convinced that, that surrendering myself and all of my relevance to Jesus is so worth it that I would walk away from everything if it just meant that we would actually reflect Jesus, talk to each other like Jesus, treat each other like Jesus, and, 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 and sacrifice ourselves like Jesus. But I say I might be bipolar because probably later today I'll be running into the mountains saying, God, I'm all alone and you don't care. So um, but 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 I mean, I am so convinced of that. And so so I just feel like I could I could walk away from everything if if that's what the cost was. Um, and, And so really, I would I would encourage you this week to be praying, to be to be fasting, to be to be just saying, God, what do you want what do you want from me? God, what do you want our church fellowship to look like? God, what do you want to do in and through our church? No matter what it looks like, no matter who's here, no matter who's you, who he's bringing, no matter what our personal feelings are, whether strong or different from other people, Jesus, are, are you enough for me to say, I'm willing to give it up. And and, and I guarantee you that being in that place of God's favor because you are listening and obeying will bring you more joy than your greatest pursuit in life otherwise. It really will. Let me pray for us, and we're gonna invite the worship team to come back up, and we're gonna worship together. Father, we come before you today, and I thank you so much for your love, for the work that you do in our lives. God, that you are so, so clear with us of what you want and what it looks like for us to be whole and fulfilled in life. God, I pray that you will um, continue to work in us. And and God, that we would be able to, to, to bring salvation to those who are lost, and we would be able to guide those who wander back to the center of your will and to receive and experience your favor. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint.